sorry, Nicholas Bornholz of Capital Inc. I would like to welcome you to, uh, to, a, to a panel, another panel that is dealing with the human factor and crewing. But this panel will uh, focus on uh, crewing and the human factor from a different perspective. Uh, it will uh, discuss, of course, the issues that we have faced uh, during the uh, COVID-19 period, but also it will look beyond in terms of uh, the post-COVID era and the crewing needs of the shipping industry. Uh, I would like to welcome uh, a great uh, group of panelists. Uh, I will turn over to Captain Robert Fay from uh, the Marshall Islands Registry, the International Registry, to moderate the panel and introduce our panelists. And all I would like to do is say thank you very much for uh, your great contribution to this forum. So, Captain Robert. Thank you very much, Nicholas, and thank you to Capital Link for allowing us this opportunity uh, to uh, move forward. Uh, as I've been monitoring the past panel that took place uh, about the crisis continuing and whether there's an end in sight, uh, we'd like to try and move forward and concentrate on, on the, the uh, industry's needs now and beyond COVID-19, uh, the basic purpose of this panel. Uh, we've all identified very clearly the uh, difficulties in, in traveling, Ranging travel for crew members and arranging reliefs, dry docking of vessels, new vessel delivery. Uh, so we want to try and look beyond uh, at what can be done. What have we done to work around some of these issues and problems uh, to facilitate continued uh, crew relief and movement of vessels? And what can we take away from those things that have been successful and uh, allow us to move forward uh, using our successes during this very difficult past uh, pandemic year and see what we can continue to, uh, to use to facilitate the global supply chain. Uh, I welcome our, my fellow uh, panelists, a very distinguished group uh, with a broad range of experience uh, from various operating areas and, and uh, sectors of the industry. Uh, Captain Cho uh, with uh, Wong, Wong uh, Maritime uh, is with us today. Uh, uh, Mr. Dennis Fain Hansen uh, with the PW uh, Group uh, is joining us. Captain Strasses, Capital uh, Maritime is with us, as well as uh, I believe we have, uh, we had, uh, you know, Prabhat, here we are, Prabhat Kumar uh, here of MSC Shipping. Uh, good morning, uh, gentlemen, and thank you for joining uh, the panel. I'd like to uh, start with a few minutes. Uh, Give you each an opportunity of introduction and and talk about how the pandemic has affected your operations in terms of uh, the manning and crewing of vessels costs related uh, what you have had to do to continue uh, crew relief and operation uh, of your vessels uninterrupted operations and we'll go a little bit deeper into into some of the ways that we can continue those uh, successes and in, in keeping uh, ships moving uh, so, Captain Chow, I'd like to start with you. Uh, if you take a few minutes, uh, I know you've had uh, had some discussions about how you've been able to move some crews uh, in very difficult situations, sir. Thank you, uh, Captain Fair, and uh, good day to all the panelists. Also, thanks uh, the, the the Capital Link uh, to having me here for for discuss this very important topic. Uh, let me have a brief introduce myself first. My name is Captain Zhou, uh, Zhou Jianfen, uh, Managing Director of the Wagwan Maritime Transport Holdings Limited, based in Hong Kong. Uh, 
And uh, my company uh, uh, is a, a traditional uh, ship-owning company in uh, Hong Kong. But uh, recently, we also doing the third-party management service, providing asset management service to third-party clients. And uh, we are operating uh, 58 ships on water at the president. At president. Myself, uh, background is a, a master marine. I worked 10 years at sea before moving to the shore. I always work on the tanker vessels, including the VLCC, gas carriers, and uh, tankers. So yes, uh, very happy, very, very glad to have this chance to discuss, uh, to share experience uh, with uh, all the patent panelists here. Very good. Uh, sir, have, what significant difficulties and cost uh, and delays have you experienced, uh, whether it be uh, with vessel dry dockings or deliveries uh, or extended crew contracts uh, in the past year? And what have you had to do to uh, find solutions? Yes, thank you. Yeah, yeah, thank you for your question. And uh, first, a uh, little bit uh, into the, the background that uh, we are operating, we are based in Hong Kong, we are operating majority is Chinese crew. I would say 95% is a crew from mainland China. And uh, so far, definitely we also suffered uh, uh, with the crew changes, particularly outside China. And uh, so for arranging this crew sign off from, from ports outside China is extremely difficult because of travel restrictions, because some port have the, uh, the limitations. They want a 14 days quarantine. They're uh, also, whether, uh, particularly in the last year, is extremely shortage of the, 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 the commercial air ticket. So even that port is open, but we cannot find the, the air ticket for the, for the crew. It's uh, make it very difficult. Definitely, I have a significant number of crew stuck on board during the last year. But as of today, its situation is much improved because we initiated a lot of measures try to improve. And we formed a basic a task force within the company. So only crewing department, they cannot handle this situation. They need a lot of additional people from other departments to support them. Uh, I have a, a special task force to, 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 to make sure the crew can be repatriated as early as possible when they expire with their countries, uh, contract. Very so good. As yeah, of today. A very good point. Uh, yeah, the travel difficulties in particular uh, with over 4,800 ships in operations with the Marshall Islands, we've, we've given an extended amount of dispensations mm -hmm. for uh, crews that have had to try to travel the vessels only to find that tickets were not available or they had to be turned back due to quarantine uh, restrictions. Uh, we have uh, Mr. Dennis uh, Hansen with us of BW Group. I'm sure you've experienced some of these travel difficulties as well uh, with your vessels. Perhaps you could give us a little insight into how, how you've managed to work around uh, some of those difficulties, Dennis. Yeah, thanks, Robert. <clears throat> and uh, thanks to Capital Link for having me here. Uh, excellent conference and, and, and great panelists. So. Um, I think there's been excellent discussions uh, prior to this. And I think we all uh, uh, share the same frustrations. Um, it was definitely a very difficult year for us as well. We, um, we handle uh, 90 plus LPG, LNG and, and uh, oil tankers with, with a roughly 5,000 crew from uh, with majority from Philippines and India. <clears throat> so 
we definitely faced the same challenges, of course, last year um, with lack of flights and, and um, difficulties getting visas and, um, and affecting the crew changes. It has uh, become better now, um, but definitely not because the, the restrictions have gone away. I think we've just become better at handling it. Um, so I think that's the frustrating part, which everybody has mentioned, despite many countries declaring uh, the seafarers as key workers, we have seen little effect of that. Um, uh, we still have the same problems on visas or um, uh, yeah. challenges affecting the crew changes and, and, and prioritizing of vaccines. Um, I just want to mention some of the things that we have, uh, we have seen that has maybe not been mentioned in, in terms of the hardship that the crew goes through. Um, it's not just that they, they can't be believed on board, uh, even if, if we are believing on board, there's still other issues, for example, when a crew has to join. Um, we often see changes in schedules, visas that are failing, or flights that are being cancelled, meaning the crew could end up sitting long time in isolation, way beyond the maybe the 10 days that we normally do. Uh, so we have seen sometimes people ending up more than a month in a hotel uh, in isolation. So. I think those are some of the things that people don't, maybe don't see. We see people coming to the joining ports testing positive again because they still have um, pieces of the of the virus after recovering and having to go into isolation again or return and return back home after that. Um, somehow I've also mentioned the difficulties around um, getting crew ashore when, when they get sick. Luckily, we haven't really experienced that, but we had one case of uh, someone dying from natural cause on board uh, where we had to we sailed around for many days and called many different countries to, to try and get the body off um, before we, we actually managed. And of course, the hardship that the crew goes through uh, or the trauma they go through by having uh, somebody lying in, in the freeze on board uh, and going from country to country, that, that, is, uh, that, is, that is tough. I, I agree. Um, That's, uh, we've had several cases of that uh, over the course of the last year with, with just getting the remains of... Uh, non-COVID uh, deaths uh, off, uh, not to mention just uh, medical treatment. I know the last panel touched on that. Uh, so things as simple as a toothache that could be very serious to, to a seafarer and, uh, and cause a lot of distress. They, they can't even uh, manage to get them ashore for uh, treatment. So that really requires much greater cooperation from uh, local officials uh, you know, that we have to keep pressing for, which I, I know, you know so many of the seafarer welfare organizations have. and. Uh, uh, next panel coming up, I, I believe, is, is going more into the seafarer welfare. But in terms of uh, anticipation of, of continued crew shortages, uh, I'd like to go to uh, Captain Drossos. Uh, you know, how have you uh, been dealing with uh, alternative crew sources? Have you needed to take uh, national crews from non-traditional uh, locations uh, in order to keep vessels moving, or, or have the difficulties you've had in, in getting crew and qualified ratings and officers? Captain Drossos. Thank you, Captain uh, Robert. Um, my is operating officer of capital asset management. And from, from our perspective and for our case, we're lucky enough uh, not having nationalities, let's say, or not using nationalities that they were heavily affected from COVID-19. So we haven't um, seen any problems uh, for the crude changes as when we find the proper location. That means that, yes, as other technical managers, we are facing the same problems. And uh, it's of paramount importance from our perspective in order 
uh, to have easy transportation, seafarers to be recognized as key workers. This will uh, give us uh, the opportunity to have uh, transportations as deemed necessary. And let's not forget if the shipping industry stops, quite a lot of other industries will have a major problem, which our character recognized as key workers, since they will not have the goods to run their uh, organizations or what they represent. Um, so yes, we have found a lot of the difficulties. Uh, let's not forget for us, this is the worst crisis for crew changes since the Second World War, where the shipping industry faced similar problems. So although uh, we feel our co-workers or the other companies facing problems, from our perspective, the nationalities that, uh, from our side, from the nationalities we use, uh, were not blocked uh, from countries. However, we are next to uh, other nationalities that face problems in some way or the other, they're discriminated. So uh, we need to find solutions. Absolutely, that's, uh, and that's the general theme that uh, all of us in the industry know the, uh, the issues and, and what needs to be done to uh, combat, as you said, sometimes discrimination just against seafarers in general, regardless of nationalities that looked at as, mm -hmm. as just uh, you know, contaminated uh, foreigners wherever they seem to go and, and the, uh, the national theme of, of protecting cities and ports uh, you know from seafarers has to has to go away uh, the seafarers are a vital supply link uh, or a piece in the supply link uh, to the global chain uh, so I want to move on to uh, to, to Mr. Ja, uh, Pravat, uh you have I, I know your fleet very well and uh, some of the, uh, the the problems that have been experienced with MSC uh, ship management uh, uh, can you elaborate on, on what you've had to do to uh, to keep the vessels moving and, and keep the seafarers coming? Uh, what solutions uh, have worked for you? Robert? Thank you, Captain Robert, and uh, and thank you, Captain Link, for organizing this uh, discussion, uh, which is always good. And, uh, you know, when the, the COVID-19 situation came, uh, the global demand was hit. And, of course, a lot of ships were waiting for the cargo, everything, because the container shipping had to scale down the services, everything, because there was no demand. Then, of course, in the second half, the demand has started to, to increase and we had to put the new lines and everything else. And today, you know, I'm responsible from the Cyprus office for full management of about 285 ships. And we have the ships ranging up to 24,000 TU ships. And it did indeed pose a lot of issues because our majority crew is coming from India, Ukraine, Russia, and Philippines. And of course, all these countries were affected by the travel and everything. But uh, I believe that you know we had a very clear mandate from our own top management because our founder of the company, Captain Ponte, is himself a seafarer, and he knows very well the importance of the crew. So we don't only say it, we will live it. And thanks to our size that we were able to position the ships so that the right nationality could be repatriated to their home country. Of course, it was a huge cost for the company. Uh, you cannot change the line from one day to another, but we were able to do it uh, from the month of May 20 onwards until August, a number of large number of 
vessels repositioning only for the crew change. For example, we had a huge number of surfaces calling between the Singapore and Middle East. We diverted them to Cochin Anchorage in India so that we could do all the Indian crew change there. Uh, of course, we had a good support from the Indian government and everything else. Same thing we did uh, for, for our Ukrainian seafarers. From Turkey, we could repatriate them to, to either Ukraine by the chartered flight or to Moldova and all. But the problem of the Philippines was uh, we were in the same position as everyone else. So we did have some issues there. But overall, I believe that uh, because of our size, because of the company's commitment, we did face the problems, but uh, we can say that uh, uh, we couldn't say that we are behind us. And uh, in, in now this Indian second COVID uh, scene, a lot of restrictions on the Indian crew movement. And that has really uh, you know, created a lot of issues and everything else. But the good part is we can see that Indian COVID cases are down by 80% uh, almost in the last four weeks. So hopefully this is going to open up the crew change as usual because this situation certainly cannot be endured for much longer than, than what we have already endured today. Thank, thank you for that, Pramod. Absolutely, uh, it, it's, it, it cannot go on as it has in the past. And I think greater cooperation, and it was brought up in the last panel as well, but uh, by the charter is uh, allowing uh, more flexibility and crew change, uh, etc. by uh, port, port state and uh, local officials uh, allowing greater transport of crew back and forth. Uh, we do have a question that came up from uh, Simon Young of uh, Costco. Uh, so it might not be an easy one in terms of container ships. Any estimate of how much tonnage the carriers lose due to difficulties in crew change, uh, it, it leads to the cost that keeps getting mentioned. Uh, uh, can anyone uh, anyone volunteer on that? Have you lost tonnage due to uh, difficulties in crew change? And have you budgeted this year for, for costs associated with additional uh, crew change? Uh, Captain Chow, uh, perhaps, uh, you, you know, you, you, thank yeah, you. Uh, you put that in your yes. budget this year. Yeah, thank you for your question. and. Uh, we are do not operating the line, line, line uh, the container ship, so I have no idea. But uh, uh, for in terms of budget, basically uh, there's uh, no more budget anymore. Usually, actually, for crew, uh, crewing cost, the traveling cost is uh, for us is uh, like a, a year for for a bike carrier is around something around fifty thousand US dollars. But during pandemic time, then that will be sometimes go five times, even eight times. So then basically there's no budget. And uh, uh, I think from the top down, from the whole company, they will all understand the crew's well-being is more than important than anything else. Whenever they, are, they need to be repatriated, we have to repatriate at whatever cost. So we, so, so yeah, that is a, a reality we have to face. Yeah, it's very difficult to, you know, to answer such a question of what is the tangible uh, loss of uh, where we know rates are up and uh, for a variety of reasons. Uh, no, there's no, 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 no unpredictable. Thing. Sometimes as other panelists mentioned, we have the diverted vessel right. to some community port. Sometimes like in the China, because of the to complete the formality before allowing disembark, we have to wait until this uh, formality complete. So we have to pay uh, not only off high, but also sometimes terminal fee because you are occupied their terminal with other productions, they will charge you the money. Actually different port have different systems. You are difficult to, to, 
to 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 calculate in advance. Basically, we just go ahead. So right. it's our people. Uh, they want to go home. We have to send them go home. Yeah, it's uh, the force is intangible at this point. But uh, well, one of the other uh, issues that's come up and and moving forward is the supply of seafarers and and the anticipation. We've heard the concerns that uh, many seafarers may not want to go back to sea. Some some need to economically, but and they can't at this point. They want to, but uh, even even something as uh, simple as training the seafarers, training schools and institutions have been closed. And we've discussed this a little bit in the past uh, to catch up with the training and advancement of seafarers, the certification of seafarers. Dennis, how are you handling that moving forward? Uh, supply of seafarers for the future. Uh, in-house training, CBT training is, has become more and more popular. Uh, are, are you going that route? I mean, so, so to the first part of your question, uh, I, I think we we don't see that people are not coming back. I think they, they are, most of them are returning. Uh, in, in terms of where to recruit from, I think we still see the same supply countries as, as where we have been recruiting from until now. Um, but there's no doubt that we that the industry need to do a lot more in terms of uh, of welfare for the crew to be attractive in the future. I think um, uh, so. So things like uh, shorter contracts, uh, uh, better connectivity on the vessels, um, and, and things like that, and, and of course much more focus in general on welfare on board or mental health um, is is will be extremely important. And I think probably the industry, uh, I know we got MLC some uh, many years ago, uh, but I think it may be time to tighten uh, um, the requirements uh, in the industry uh, at an industry level to, to create this level playing field. Uh, so, so we all compete at the same level. So ensuring that everybody increase the, the welfare for the seafarers and we can become uh, more attractive uh, in, in the future. And I think it was mentioned also some of the panelists earlier that, that uh, it becomes more and more difficult to, to manage the many different type of engines and, and our fuel types and, and whatever in the future. So uh, in, in the past, we could send seafarers on, on all the vessel types, uh, but, but now it's, it's down to the engine type. So, right. um, so training, uh, training and availability will, will become really, really important. Yeah, very good point. We had a question uh, put in as well. And uh, many, uh, many companies in the past, as you said, a level playing field, uh, has meant having the skill sets, the uh, the officers and crew necessary to do the maintenance of the vessel, uh, in addition to just basic operation. Uh, and and we're seeing uh, more and more what uh, some are calling a race to the bottom as far as how low can we go with manning, to where we're experiencing problems when one or two people on the ship, you know, it may only be a skeleton staff, and if one or two of the watch officers or the engine officers uh, becomes ill or has to be relieved. Uh, maintenance suffers. Uh, so the question has been raised, has it been difficult to maintain the ships because service teams were not available? The people on board did not have the correct skills to perform the maintenance. Can you predict what skills were needed based on the maintenance plan? And and how do we correctly get the skilled uh, engineers and, and seafarers to the vessels that we need, not just bodies, but but the skilled and qualified seafarers? Uh, Captain Drossos, perhaps uh, you, you can help us out. The answer from our side is yes. Uh, we have determined uh, difficulties for um, defects identified and not being able to have the makers 
on board the vessel. Unfortunately, for electronic computers, etc., we are not. We, don't, we have electricians. We have a crew complement in order to run the vessel, not to repair it, particularly for equipment that is outside of our scope. So the difficulties are there, significant difficulties. We are risk management oriented, all of us. So we set mitigation measures in order uh, to have the vessels operated. However, this is not the case when uh, you report and thereafter charters reject the vessels uh, in order, due to the fact that we were not able to determine the exact root cause and set mitigation measures for a particular defect. So uh, there the solution uh, is the understanding in some occasion of the charters, we can cure them commercial commitment of the vessel. However, it's not a normal um, you know, year of operations. And there we need the understanding and the support rather than having the vessel of fire or having her rejected for, from um, charters that we can understand them as well, that they need the vessel full operational um, and we support that. However, we're not able to do that. Agreed. Thank you uh, for that. Yeah, it's been a great difficulty even in uh, some of the technical dispensations our registries had to issue for for extensions, dry docking, uh, remote inspections, uh, uh, equipment failures, where it's not just crew getting to the vessels, uh, technicians of all sorts are, uh, you know, can't be brought in uh, to work on certain pieces of equipment. And uh, but with, with some of the time remaining, uh, I'd like to see if we can identify any of the, the positive, if you will, it might be the wrong term, or, or the, the solutions that have worked well and the positive uh, things or changes that have come out of uh, this past year that we can uh, concentrate on and expand going forward. Uh, we touched on, uh, we've had greater use of CBT training and, and remote training for seafarers to keep up their skills. I think one of the positives uh, from the side that, that we've seen is just the greater awareness in general of crew welfare. Uh, everyone sees the maritime industry in the news when there's a casualty or a problem or an incident but the, the human factor now uh, coming to the forefront in mainstream media as well of, of crew uh, situations, uh, you know, is something that we need to concentrate on and expand upon. Uh, Prabhat, uh, you know, would you agree with that? Thank you, Robert. Yes. Uh, I think, you know, and every problem gives a new opportunity. And like rightly you mentioned that uh, the role of the crew member have never been more visible than it is today in the world, world market. So while we can say that it has created a bad image, um, I'm an optimist. I think it has created a, a good image, how responsible, what responsibility the crew has played in moving the ships. Because if it was in the pandemic, if the ships were not moving, and the situation with all the medical supplies, essential supplies, the food factory running would have been entirely impossible. So I believe that it has really created a, a, a positive image that the crew is contributing to the world trade today. And I think it is for us, the shipping companies to really capitalize on this positive moment because today everybody knows what the crew is doing. Tomorrow you have to tell what it is doing. So we just have to refine the image 
And uh, I would also go a bit back to the previous question about the training also. You know, the training is something and also these shortages and skills building, uh, you know, I, I call it building capabilities, you know. So it does not happen overnight. We need to have a vision that this is what we are going to achieve in five year, 10 year period. Like we have every year, I have 600 training birds in, in our company. So we have average about two and a half, three cadets uh, every ship. So as the fleet is growing, we are promoting the people from within. Plus also the company philosophy matters a lot. Whether the company philosophy is that the crew does the maintenance or it is a shore party does the maintenance. In our company, our philosophy is the crew does the maintenance because not only you know, they're doing the job, they are becoming professionally more aware and skilled. So when the time like this comes, this is the time you can really reap the benefits. And I mean, I have the cases where the main engine turbocharger had failed. We have a spare on board, the crew has done the job with all remote support from the shore office. We had uh, even uh, the, the generator's crankshaft to be changed. And a lot of complicated jobs that we have managed to solve remotely. And this is something that you, know, you need to plan for beforehand. You need to keep investing in it. It cannot come one day when the crisis is there. So I believe that the companies who have been focusing on the training, focusing on the building capability, looking at long-term have really passed these things where we don't have a lack of maintenance on board the ship. And because now we can see that the market is so demanding if uh, uh, what is, the, what is the really the true cost of the maintenance. So I believe that you know, it goes down and, and we at MSC have been looking at this one. This is, has been our founder's philosophy. The crew does all the job because not only they do the job, plus they also become more knowledgeable. So when the time like this comes, you are in a, in a good hand actually. Very true. It's a win-win situation. Yeah, if you have the crew with the proper skill sets and can retain them. And uh, Captain Cho, I, I think we've discussed a little bit in the past, you, you benefit greatly from having a lot of in-house training and, and handling your own training centers uh, for your crews. Uh, so that's worked out very well for you, Captain? Yes, uh, definitely. So uh, we have the uh, in-house training centers in the Qingdao, and uh, we also have a joint venture uh, training centers with some uh, university in the Shandong areas. And uh, yes, that is uh, one of the positive things. I think uh, we enhanced uh, the, the, the trainings, uh, particularly on the digital part. And uh, maybe here I also need to uh, also emphasize that uh, another positive thing, what I can see that uh, uh, could be positive is that uh, now there's, I think, uh, a public start become aware of how, what how huge contributions the shipping is making, how huge contribution the crew is making for the world, for the for the for, for ensure the supply chain running smoothly, and uh, I hope uh, all the parties, all the stakeholders, and the uh, whole public can continue support, uh, give more support to our crew. Actually, uh, go back a little bit of questions. Actually, the, now the crew the shortage, uh, other than the this is the travel restrictions. So uh, the, some parties, some ignoring that the crew's welfare is causing another, actually is become another very important factors uh, for, the, for the crew shortage. So this crews, uh, they are scared to, 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 to go join the ship because they're, they're worried about when they can go back. And for this crews already uh, work on board, they're also worried about when they can back to the, to the home. So I think they, they need support. It's not only just for company as a, 
we have Chinese have shared lot of restrictions, lot of barriers is beyond the companies, individual companies control. We need the whole public to, to support uh, all, all, all of our all our heroes. So this status of key works for CFS should not just the talking. We need to give them priority. Agreed. Uh, for the, I, I for the care part of our vaccinations, yes. Yeah, I, IMO, uh, International Chamber of Shipping and others, uh, the last panel, uh, I have to give kudos to uh, BIMCO in particular for a very moving uh, video that they, uh, they they showed of the, the vitality of seafarers, how much we need seafarers, that uh, basically it's incumbent on all parties to, you know, in the global transportation industry in general to recognize seafarers as essential workers. Uh, because without them, uh, without sufficient supply of trained and qualified seafarers, uh, we could face an international, you know, global economic crisis, you know, if, if transport stops. Uh, so uh, I, I don't think there's any argument there. Uh, mo moving forward to, to keep the flow of seafarers moving, qualified seafarers, trained seafarers. Uh, uh, Dennis, I would ask you to, uh, you know, to weigh in on, you know, how we can uh, promote greater concern for the seafarer welfare and, uh, and and source seafarers to ease the uncertainty in their concerns as well. Uh, you know, what can we do to help seafarers uh, understand uh, or, or feel appreciated uh, in how important they are to the, uh, the transportation industry in general, Dennis? Yeah, I think uh, I think we were lucky. We had, uh, we had started a lot of focus on, on mental health and and well-being several years ago and, and have a, a wellness program running on board our ships, which kind of encourage social interaction among the crew, but also work actively with mental health on board the vessels. Um, so uh, so there, it was easy for us to put even greater focus on this and and, um, and that has really helped keeping them active and keeping their thoughts away from, uh, from the pandemic. Um, and uh, and then I think in, in terms of both training and, and, and moving things online, uh, it has also been easier to keep close to them in terms of having small webinars. Uh, whereas in the past we had to, to bring them into a, a, a conference uh, physically uh, and we would maybe only see them once every two years. But now uh, we have many more frequent small webinars where we can, can bring people together. So I think we have definitely become probably more close to the sea for us than, than what we were before. So I think this has been kind of a, a discovery that uh, it can actually work very well, bringing them together, even running leadership programs and things like that online, which we thought would probably require uh, people being together in, in a room, but uh, it, it has proven to, to work. Well, that, that's a good point. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. And that is a positive we can take away. And I, I think we've found that with the Marshall Islands Registry, I've, I've probably spoken to more of my colleagues around the world via Teams, Zoom, online uh, conferences, webinars, uh, to where we would meet a couple of times a year to discuss issues. Uh, and now uh, almost weekly, we can connect, uh, you know, when there are problems in various ports around the world, uh, which has kept our, our many offices closer, uh, you know, together to solve the issues, uh, which brings up the, uh, the, the general feeling that increased communication at any level, particularly with the seafarers, between the companies uh, as a flag state, we've worked very closely with other port states in, in finding workarounds and solutions for vessels that may have been shorthanded or, or uh, seafarers that couldn't be relieved on time uh, uh, to get the vessel to sail, uh, at least the dispensation to the next nearest port where they could get a relief if there was no transportation available. Uh, 
so I, I think we're running a little short on time, but uh, I want to go to Captain Drossus. Uh, uh, you know, the, the Greek shipping industry in particular has felt the uh, felt the weight of, uh, you know, the pandemic as much as anyone. And, uh, you know, do you have any, any comments in that regard, how takeaways that, that we can expand upon to improve uh, the supply of seafarers for the future? Captain? Yes, sir. In Greece, what we have demonstrated since uh, the beginning is discipline, discipline to rules. And we have Manas uh, being a nation that at the beginning we did better. Lately, um, we have um, increased, however, uh, we control it. Um, as seafarers, I have 11 years, uh, the restriction in the quarantines. We are in a quarantine since we signed a contract. So uh, for me, being a shore employee, I, I didn't have any problem since uh, when I was on board, my apartment was in a building, the accommodation, and now I was restricted in the building that I stayed. Uh, how we have managed, and it's a point that I want to raise, is that the seafarer, when uh, he feels that his family is taking care from the company, so we have given particular attention, then he feels more, more relaxed and he has understood the problem. Let's not forget the seafarers, we're responsible. We are in a war where we don't have the enemy, you know where they are, and we are devoted to what we do as a seafarers. So um, difficulties will continue, and I'm confident the shipping industry, with the devotion that we are giving to the society and continue working, will um, continue trade with problems and with an increased budget. So very, very good. Thank you, Cameron. Good summation. I, I think we're, uh, we might only have a couple of minutes left here, but I, I think in summation, uh, I think we all agree that greater concern for seafarer welfare and uh, cooperation between all maritime stakeholders. Uh, owners, operators, managers, flag states, port states, the, the seafarer unions and, and the training institutions and well uh, has been a significant factor in weathering this uh, COVID-19 storm. And it's something we certainly hope will uh, continue into the future uh, as, as we uh, keep the supply chain moving and keep the vessels moving. And uh, I thank you all for your uh, input and participation uh, today. Uh, I guess I'll turn back to Nicholas of uh, Capital Link. Uh, if we have a few minutes, uh, I don't see any other questions open. But Nicholas, back to well, you. Thank you very much. Uh, as expected, it has been a great discussion because you guys know the topic very well. You represent major organizations, so you are actually at the front line of the problem. And it is always extremely uh, interesting and insightful to hear from people who are you know, in the trenches, so to speak. So thank you very much. Uh, very well moderated and tremendous insight. So what I want to say is uh, a huge thank you. And um, I'm glad you mentioned the video. I found the video particularly powerful and moving. Um, so thank you very much uh, to all of you. Thank you. Thank you to Capital Link. Thank you all. Good day and stay thank well. You. Thank you. Bye-bye now. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right.